is the Power Adulting Podcast, where we are hunting down the experiences, struggles, and golden nuggets of wisdom from our helpful guests. Stay tuned for an exciting weekly adventure that uncovers practical tips, tools, and tactics to get you from stuck in the muck to smashing your way through life's toughest roadblocks. Only 20% of us are passionate about our work, which according to Zipia is why 61% of American employees want to leave their current jobs in 2023. For the majority of folks who dislike what we're doing right now, this show is going to be a godsend. Join us to discuss the many options you have for being happier and moving forward. Hello, friends, and welcome back to the Power Adulting Podcast. We are so thrilled that you've joined us today because we have, over the course of this season, talked about quite a few episodes on health, right? right? Ins and outs of my last wild ride, last year of health and what I've learned. We've talked about relationships. We've talked about grief, communication, reciprocity, and we're transitioning into careers because as young adults, regular adults, old Older adults, all of us need some sort of career. We need to be, make money, right? <laughs> we need to make money, and we spend a lot of time doing that. And as most of us realize, inflation has hit us hard, and we need to be able to support ourselves, but also not hate our lives in the process. Right. That's an interesting way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an inevitable evil that we have to do, but we need to find some way to find joy. I guess that's kind of this whole theme for the season is how can we find joy in our health, our relationships, our career, and hopefully our money. I'm not quite there yet, but we'll get to that later. <laughs> You're getting closer, yes. <laughs> so today we wanted to yeah do talk about careers, talk about seeking joy in careers. And I wanted to start by talking about burnout. Because burnout is something that if you haven't experienced it, you don't know how you just feel so stuck. You're like everything in you, your fight or flight has just reached its maximum capacity. You just collapse and are incapable of doing anything. I don't think that's a strong enough term. It was more than burnout. It was depression. That, And I don't know if it starts with burnout, which comes first, the depression or the burnout. But yeah, it was harsh. It was definitely very harsh. And I've experienced it a couple times. And I attribute my burnout mindset, I think, back to my school mindset. Because for so many years, it was like, grind, 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 push, 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 take six classes, take eight classes, do all this thing. And you're going and you see this finish line graduation at the end. And so you just keep pushing. But once you get into adult life, it's not realistic because what's the finish line? Yeah. There is. So if you're looking for a short short-term finish line, you're inevitably going to burn out because there is not. It, yeah, we have goals and things like that, but it's an ongoing process. Absolutely. And I'm learning that and I'm learning how to dial back. And I just wanted to bring up if like you have a partner or you have a close friend group and you're experiencing burnout, you're not the only person who is going to feel the effects of burnout. My husband is so loving, so supportive. He's amazing. But when I hit burnout, it doesn't just affect me. It's not just, uh oh, I need to put my life on hold and I need to figure things out. It's like, no, it impacts our relationship. 
relationship. It impacts how we relate to each other and the love that I can give him. Because if I'm feeling burnout in my career, that means I also don't have the energy to give to my husband, my partner, my close friends in the same way that I would if I had my cup refilled to the point where I could give. Yeah. I think of like a tornado, you know, it's kind of like you've got the funnel right in the center, but it's sucking stuff in and destroying stuff from the outer edges. So you might be the center of that burnout for yourself, but everyone else is affected or pulled into it like a tornado. Oh man. Yeah. So that's been a big realization for me in the last year. I graduated college in 2019. COVID hit and everybody was feeling those terrible pressures of what was going on with COVID and everybody's trying to grind during COVID. And then you're feeling the emotional baggage of what's going on in the world. And so I'm kind of having to rewire my brain in a sense when it comes to career because school got me in such a habit of push yourself to your breaking point. You can do it. You can do it. Go, go, go. And it's just not good for mental health. And there are some type A people who can really like focus their brain so much and they can get this stuff done. But I imagine that even somebody who's extremely type A gets to a point where they can't push themselves any further. I think you're right. But I don't know because I would consider myself a type A person. So I don't know. I've never been in their shoes, but I definitely know how rough it is to experience burnout. And the amount of time it takes to get out of burnout is almost as much time as it takes to get into burnout. And the chemicals that are going on within your body, you're basically trying to charge through to that final for school. And it's the same thing in life, but it's an adrenaline rush that keeps you going. But eventually, I think, is it cortisol or whatever as part of that adrenaline? Uh, I know cortisol is the stress hormone, but I am no scientist or hormonologist. Yeah, (laughs) I'm not either. but, But that adrenaline is flowing, causes stress and eventually wears out. And there's only so much adrenaline. There's only so, yeah, that's, I guess uh, you said that that's what I was trying to say. Yes, absolutely. So once I kind of had this realization, I realized that I needed to pull back and it's like, you can only achieve so much in the day. You gave some valuable wisdom to me when I was experiencing that burnout. And it's, I don't try and complete my 10 item to-do list in a day. I focus on just getting one thing done. One even smaller, medium-sized thing done is I get a sense of accomplishment. Yeah. And so many of us just put really high expectations on ourselves. And I know from myself personally, sometimes I don't always calculate the amount of time something would take appropriately. You know? <laughs> None of us do. Like, it always takes longer than you expect. Oh, I can get this done in 30 minutes. And then it just... <laughs> 30 minutes turns into an hour and then you're like, oh no, this is bleeding into my next to-do list item. And then it just, then and you the feel like a failure. In, you, know, you feel like a failure, stress increases, all of that happens. Yeah, yes. absolutely. So I feel like a success, but I, you know, I got the one thing. Set your expectations lower, <laughs> lower the expectations and you're going to feel a whole lot happier when you meet or exceed those expectations compared to failing your giant to-do list. Right. So learning how to work smarter and not harder is also something that I've been working on. I grew up and took on some traits that are more perfectionistic traits, and I'm trying to unlearn those as well. I credit that back to school, like trying to strive for A's and nothing else. Like it was a great mental motto when I was going through school because grades matter, but as an adult, it's not, none of us are 
A plus adults. Right. But that probably comes not just from school, but it probably started at home because I have a bit of that. Prof- you know, I want to do things right with quality and so on, not just a crappy job. But so, so yeah, I'm working on that too. We had a coach one time who told us if it's 70% complete, get it out. And for me, as like somebody who's always been after A's, I'm like, break my heart. Yeah, that hurts. What? (laughs) Like, (laughs) so working harder, working smarter, not harder, has been our driving force uh, for this last season. Can I add one thing on that smarter? Just when you don't have so much on your plate that you're rushing through everything, the creativity of the mind needs space in order to create. And if you're trying to rush through 10 things, your creative mind is just in a frantic panic. Whereas if you're just shooting for one thing, it's amazing the, the ideas that resonate as a result of it. And so that, I think, helps you work smarter doing less rather than more. I can 100% agree with that. And I remember um, the, the book that I read a couple years ago, maybe two years, Psycho-Cybernetics. Mm-hmm. It was talking about creativity only shows up when you're living in the moment. Ah. And if you're always worried about the next thing, the next thing, the next thing, how can you live in the moment? Yeah. And so, yeah, you stifle your creativity. Your in that brain can't way. let loose on the amazing stuff that it's got in there. And there, there are some like really famous, I want to say artists, scientists, but I don't know names. My brain doesn't work like that. But who talked about that they had multiple different hobbies. And when they got stuck on, say, a a science problem, they just left it percolating in their mind and they switched to something else in the moment, whether it's a creative hobby or go walking or whatever it is. And it like by existing in the moment and not worrying about this future answer the answer actually came to them instead of them like trying to work, fight this uphill battle to acquire the answer. That was me as we were, as we're preparing our book, that was number of, what do they call them? Polymaths who have all of these skills. But Albert Einstein was the one that stood out to me. Genius came up with a theory of relativity that, you know, I think maybe 10 humans in the whole world can understand. But yeah, he would come to that point where he work, 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 and he just couldn't figure it out. And then finally he would just say, whoop, I'm going to go play my violin. And he said, sure enough, after a few minutes, half hour, whatever, of playing his violin, all of a sudden he'd focus on the violin and the idea that he was trying to solve and couldn't for hours at a time, all of a sudden miraculously comes. And that reminds me, you know, of this idea of joy, like finding hobbies that bring you joy. A scientific genius like Albert Einstein is talented in science, but he also has creative hobbies that bring him joy and are able to elevate him to that place where he can achieve the creativity he needs. And so I think that's something to be really mindful of in our careers. We don't necessarily need to always make our joyous hobby into a career, although that is an option. I know I've talked to some people and sometimes trying to monetize something you love makes you love it less. Yeah. And so that's hard. Not for, yeah, you have to find that balance. Yeah. It's kind of like the accountant who doesn't do his own checkbook, you know, because he does it all day long for money and, you know, hates to do it at home. And we talked to Brooke Wolf back, oh gosh, back in 2020. She was episode 15 and she had a passion for movement and wellness and her her being connected to her body. And she did make a career out of that, which was beautiful. But Incorporating music into yoga. uh And And she's actually... um, 
this wouldn't be in the podcast, but this is just an update for her. She actually does a lot more vocal, musical type career work now. And it continues to inspire me to pursue those things that bring me joy because obviously her quality of life, everyone has obstacles. I don't know her personal life intimately, but being able to pursue something that brings you joy and fulfillment and makes you want to get up every day, I think is really, really important. And she's somebody that I think really embodies that. And with her yoga and being able to transition from this yoga passion that she had into this vocal coaching now that she's in, it just reaffirms that idea of like pursuing joy is going to make your life, your mental health, everything better than maybe doing something that you consider drudgery. I mean, that enthusiasm is contagious. The passion, the passion is contagious. Absolutely. Yes. And for me personally, like I've learned that low stress helps me function best. I grew up with this school mentality that was very stressful, pressure, pressure, pressure. And in that environment, I was able to manage it, but it wasn't me functioning at my most optimal. It was me just surviving to get by. And I want to thrive. I don't want to survive. And so really working on that this this season on the podcast, we've kind of mixed things up as our veteran listeners here can probably tell. We aren't interviewing people in the same way. We're doing more of a reflective season and we're actually bulk recording episodes so that there isn't that kind of pressure, weekly pressure. And I've learned for me, this applies to social media, this applies to podcasts. I don't like weekly pressure. I feel like the week just happens so fast. And for me to be like, oh, every Monday, I'm going to do this as a female and just as myself. Females go through a 30-day cycle or a 28-day cycle. Every week is a little bit different. So maybe a male who has a one-day cycle could do this repetition a little bit better. But for me, now that I've learned about my hormones, I've learned about myself, it's just not how I function optimally. Yeah, that was fascinating to me. One of our guests talked about that, how yes. you know men have that daily, uh, women have a 30-day cycle and it ebbs and flows. So us guys, that's why men are from Mars and women are from Venus. So, you know, we don't understand. I think it was that. Lauren Papanos on episode 65 who discussed Thank you. Those, those hormones. And that was just boom, mind blowing. And I know a lot of people sync their workouts with their cycles. A lot of women do. And I think that's fascinating. I haven't gotten to that point in my life yet, but I am trying to be mindful of that and be accepting that I just need to know and work with what functions best for me. And that's okay. And so being flexible, being able to adjust my mental health is a whole lot more worth it for me than trying to achieve some sort of random expectation that I've created for myself. I just thought of a story where you're talking about that and you're making it easier. And it was a podcast a guest on Tim Ferriss's podcast. And he was talking about, he was a professor, I believe, and he also loved riding his bike. And so he would go out and ride his bike and just pedal like crazy, cra I mean, just crazy as hard as he could. And he would finish his circuit in, say, 30 minutes. So then he said, that is just really stressful on my body here. Mm -hmm. And so he said, okay, I'm going to slow it down and go at a slower pace. And he ended up, what took him 30 minutes before now took him just slightly longer to finish his path. But he came out of it with so much joy that he wanted to go back the next day and the next day and the mm -hmm. next day there. so And it that, builds joy. It builds joy into these hard workers going 100% all the time is just 
burnout waiting to Exactly. Have. So by slowing down, you're actually allowing yourself to have more sustainable energy right. throughout your career, throughout your exercise, whatever it is. Right. I love that. Right. And so not only with the podcast are we focusing on like starting anew, starting things differently and seeking this joy, but I've also been really focused on making long-term changes to my, my career. Right now, for those of you who don't know, I'm a private tutor. I work with a wide variety of students from elementary school through high school, all subjects. I work with older kids in life skills. I do college apps. I do Spanish. I do everything in between. I'm kind of like a, I've heard it, Jill of all trades. (laughs) (laughs) So and I, I love it. I really genuinely love the growth that I get to see, the motivation that I get to instill in young students. I really genuinely do love it. But I am also hoping to be a parent one day. And realistically, I know that I can't sustain this career long term. It just like my life is going to shift when that opportunity comes for me and Connor. With a child. With a child, yeah, when that opportunity arises for us. And I am having to kind of think ahead. And it's scary to think ahead. Scary to think about like, what could I do differently? How could I make this work? Because I want to financially support myself, my husband, our future family. But I also have kind of refined a set of skills through tutoring for the last three years full time, more than that part time. And so it's like, how do you completely change what you're doing? And so we had discussed this in the past and in the book that we created, we have a Venn diagram that kind of helps individuals be able to pinpoint maybe a purpose, a passion, a career direction. And so I wanted to discuss the Ikigai is one name for it. That's ikigai. A, the Japanese term, right? That's the Japanese yeah. term for it. Yes, is Ikigai. And Dave had simplified it. So I wanted to start by talking about Ikigai since that is the Japanese concept that means your reason for being. So it's really a, a purpose-driven kind of system. And so what Ikigai shares is there are four different elements that you should be looking into for yourself when it comes to deciding where to go with a a career and ideally a joyous career, right? So first guy talks about figuring out what you love, next figuring out what the world needs, next what you're good at, and lastly, what you can be paid for right? So that's like the bigger idea. If you're interested in learning more about Ikigai, just Google it. I-K-I-G-A-I. You can look that up. There's so much literature on it and it's really, really cool. And so that's kind of like the, I don't know if it's the original, but it's what I came across when I was looking into this. And Dave, you had simplified this into a couple words. How did you simplify this kind of idea? Well, the reason that I simplified it is because I'm not smart enough to remember four circles. <laughs> I could only remember three. So I tried to narrow it down to that. And the three that came to mind for me as we were putting the book together was talent, 
passion and demand. So TP, like in toilet paper, <laughs> TPD. TPD. <laughs> TPD. TPD. There we go. That's uh, exactly the chant we need to get going. <laughs> but I think you kind of get the gist of, after Elle talked about this, the talent is what do you have? What skills do you have? What, what do people say? Oh, man, you're good at that. Mm-hmm. Like all of us say to Elle, you're good with this technology stuff. She doesn't even know. She doesn't think. Yeah. A lot of times other people see talents that we don't even see. And then the second thing is, okay, I could be talented in it, but I I hate the heck out of it. Say here. So what are you passionate about? So you got a talent. What are you most passionate about? So like you said, with Brooke uh, Wolf, she was talented in this music. She also was passionate about it. So she put the two of those together with her yoga. Great combination. She mm-hmm. loves it. She's enthusiastic about it. And that is contagious for all of her clients. Yes. Uh, they're taking her classes. Uh, and so then the last one is uh, demand. So what is demand? It's basically, what do people need, okay? If they didn't need a yoga class for Brooke to do, then what's the sense in doing it if she can't monetize it? Yeah. Yeah. So what will, what are people willing to pay? So you've got talents, you've got passions. What are will it people willing to pay you for that? So anyway, does that answer that? Absolutely. I'm going to go into the 10 reasons for having a purpose in your life. I okay? love that, yes. Because all of this comes together to develop your purpose. And the New York Times had an analysis of Americans uh, that only 25% of the population feels that they have a purpose in life. That's sad. It is, uh, but it's also hard. There was another group that I was just talking about, some professors up at USC. They go out and do seminars on this purpose and so on, and they'll have people raise their hands. How many of you have goals? And everybody raises their hand. How many of you have written goals? Oh, about half of them uh, go out. How many of you have a purpose? It is a teeny tiny. How many of you have a written out? purpose that you look at every day there. So you fully know it. So anyway, here's the reasons you should have a purpose. I'm going to read them. Better physical health and longer lifespan, stronger sense of long-term optimism and hope, more gratitude, meaning, and direction in your life, calmer attitude under real-world pressure that we feel, uh, healthier relationships with like-minded people because you know what your purpose is. You're yeah. going to attract like-minded yeah. people. Deeper joy and significantly yes significantly (laughs) more satisfaction in life, greater resilience. So when it comes to difficult times, resourcefulness, that creativity and perseverance, faster career success and numerous leadership opportunities because you know where you want to go. Happier existence in a fabulous world outside of yourself. When you have a purpose, you can then start looking out to who can I help with this purpose. And the last one, higher levels of focus, success, and and fulfillment and money. I love that. Those are so powerful. And that one, that number 11, or I don't know if it was number nine, I think a happier existence in a fabulous world outside yourself. I really love that because in the next episode, we're going to be talking about kind of my answer to this question. What can I do to make this transition in life possible? I've got some time, thankfully, I'm planning ahead, but like, what can I do? And something that really came to mind was how can 
we help others? Because when you have a purpose, when you are feeling joy in your career and you're able to really feel good about what you're doing and the direction you're in, the question is, how can you help other people? And I really, really love that because that has made an impact on me. I help my students on a day-to-day basis and I get so much fulfillment from helping see my students succeed, help encourage them, help remind them that failure is part of the journey and that 80% on a math test is an opportunity to learn. Like you did amazing. You did your best. And I really love that kind of encouragement because I think young people and people all, all around the world need that kind of reassurance. They need that encouragement. But because I want to make a career transition, how can I give that in another way that kind of checks off my other boxes that I'd like to do? And Bailey Jimenez, we had talked to on episode 40. She is a career recruiter. Friend of yours. Good friend of mine. And she was talking, this was mid-COVID when um, nobody had jobs and people needed workers. And so it's it's a little different times now, um, but still such valuable insight that she shared about career change, that it's never too late to change directions. She gave some questions to kind of ask yourself as you're figuring out where you want to go next. So that would be a wonderful resource to check out episode 40 with Bailey Jimenez. And with that, we just kind of wanted to wrap up this episode here and remind you that it's okay to start over in your career. You don't need to stay somewhere that you're unhappy. I get it. We all have financial burdens. And I've always told myself, I've told other people, it's always easier to get a new job when you have a job. So don't just up and run away because you're unhappy, but start thinking about these things. How can I maybe take things off my plate? How can I maybe get out there and start looking for a new position that would really bring me a lot of joy? What challenge could I start next? Yeah. And the whole TCP thing, as far as discover that- TC, yeah, TPD. <laughs> but you know, find that talent you, that you have, discover that, find your passion, and then there's somebody willing to pay for it, the demand yes, uh, for it. Yeah, absolutely. So we just encourage you to really continue to pursue joy in this season. Find what brings you joy, find your talents, find your passions, and figure out what kind of demand there is for those skills because we all have a lot of skills. And if you think that you don't have any skills, I encourage you to ask the five people closest to you, hey, what do you think are my top three talents? And you might be really surprised by their answers. That kind of inner circle audit is really important because sometimes we have our blinders on and we don't see the beauty that other people see in us. So use your, your relationships, use your resources and really figure your TPDL, talents, <laughs> passions, and demands. And with that, we will see you next week. Yeah, and I want to end with a quote mm. uh, from Frederick Bruchner. The place God calls you to is the place where your deep gladness and the world's deep hunger meet. Interesting. That is true joy. Until next week, better your best you, everyone. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you next week on the Power Adulting Podcast.